Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Ochre Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to, how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is, oh my god, Rachel Warren. And uh, I never cut out any of my mistakes because I want people to know that I'm not perfect. Because obviously that's the impression that you would have had of me already. So I just need to break that a little bit. Um, this week's guest is someone I'm really excited to have on. She's a writer and filmmaker. Um, her new podcast, This Ends at Prom, just premiered last Thursday. It's BJ Colangelo. Welcome to the show. <sighs> that sound is not because I'm not excited to be here. That sound is because I'm not excited that this series exists. <laughs> <laughs> had, had you ever seen any of it before? I have never seen any of these because all I've heard my entire life is that it's terrible and to not waste my time. So I listened to those words of wisdom. And I think I'm going to end up watching all of it at some point because now I just need to know how much better or worse it can get. I will say, (laughs) look, people know by now I do two episodes with pretty much every guest. Um, the two, usually in the pair, there's a one that's redeemable. The, you, just, you just, you had bad luck this time, BJ. This is not the case. <laughs> you know, I'm glad though that I, I, I'm taking this bullet for, for all of your other guests. I'm, I'm glad I could be the one to kind of take this one for the team. <laughs> yeah. You're the podcast martyr. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, that is totally fine by me. Well, again, I really appreciate it. But also, let's talk a little bit about This Ends at Prom. Want to tell me a little bit about what it is? I'm going to pretend I didn't help you with that. <laughs> sure. So This Ends at Prom is a weekly podcast brought to you by Pod People Productions. Um, hey, hosted... I know those guys. That's me. <laughs> hosted by myself and my wife, Harmony, who unfortunately couldn't be here today because she is working. So shout out to anybody in the service industry working in this pandemic you are all rock stars um but what we what we do on this ends at prom is we look at the canonical quote-unquote teen girl movies so your cluelesses things things in that sort of realm and we look at them from the perspective of myself a cisgender woman who has deep deep nostalgia for all of these movies that i grew up watching at sleepovers and my wife's perspective who is a a trans woman meaning she was socially conditioned as a teen boy and missed all of these films so we're looking at them to see if they really do speak to all women or if these are films that we only like because we watched them when we were 11 and we think that they're good because of the nostalgia we hold for them that is a really really interesting conversation and i can't wait for everyone to hear i mean actually they will be able to hear um as of when this episode comes out so yeah check that out search this ends at prom wherever you find your podcast i'm also gonna have a link in the show notes um i have a question really quick bj of course um did harmony watch these episodes with you she watched the first one with me before she was getting ready and i think she had sort of a similar response of how the fuck did these get made (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, damn it. Okay, see, I was hoping I could trick Harmony into coming on the show in the future because she wasn't able to come on this one, and I don't know if that's going to be a possibility after that. It might. You might be able to get her on. If there's anything that she loves, it's a mess. Like, she has okay. terrible taste. She loves mess. So this <laughs> actually is right in her wheelhouse. Okay, great. Good good to know. Um, the one we're here to talk about today is Season 1, Episode 13, Deadline. It originally aired on January 29th, 1989. And here's what you could have watched in theaters instead of Deadline. <laughs> um, look, usually it's not a hard choice, but this might have been difficult. You could have watched um, Michael Crichton's Physical Evidence or Eric Red's Cohen and Tate, which is Roy Scheider and Adam Baldwin as mafia hitmen who don't get along. Oh, so boy. I don't know. I, this weekend, you're kind of screwed no matter what, I think. Oh. Uh, I'm just yeah, like my my deep sigh is for anybody who existed at this time period who had to make this real Sophie's choice, you know. Yeah, or they could just like go to a park or something. That's probably the best. Plan. <laughs> right, stay home, do something with your friends, play some records, do anything but watch these movies or this show. Yeah. But this episode um, was written by a woman. It's the first female writer on this series, which is cool. Um, you know, it, it's true equality when women can write episodes of television that are just as bad as the one that men's write. <laughs> Absolutely it is. <laughs> um, and this is, uh, we have already had a female director on the show, so um, it's nice that women exist <laughs> in this sphere in whatever capacity. Um, yeah, this writer was Jill Donner. She's a producer of Baywatch, Magnum P.I., and The Incredible Hulk, and she wrote 1989's The Parent Trap 3. Oh, what a, what a great thing to have on your resume. Oh, yeah. Um, I wish I knew anything about that movie, but good for her. I mean, it exists, and that's something we both know. <laughs> yes. Well, now I do. Um, this, this director is Michael Lang. He did previous episode Mother's Day, which we talked about with Parker Brennan. And the cast here, um, we've got Paige Hanna, who plays Emily. She was on the Fame TV show. And then uh, Kamiko Gelman as Annie. She's she's actually in a lot of stuff as a as a grown lady now. Um, she was in The Hunger Games and Thirteen Reasons Why. So she's, you know, not like huge roles, but she's doing it. She's still working, which is a lot more that can be said than most people who do these little series. Oh yeah. to, I don't know how to pluralize series. Series? I don't know. I have no answer for you so i'm, I'm glad you <laughs> you stumbled out there into the dark and i did not provide a lamp so that's I'm totally sorry. fine go you know dare to fail yeah oh that's that's a good that's a good uh mantra um anyway so in this episode we open on you know like a 30 something man driving down the road you know it's one of those steep uh kind of mountainy roads with a cliff on the edge that are in ohio all the time mm-hmm. oh i'm fully fully aware of the dangerous ridge hills in ohio yeah no whenever you go to work you have to drive just <laughs> you know on all the switchbacks right i mean if we were at in like the parts of ohio that are really close to west virginia maybe but i don't think springward is supposed to be near that part of ohio i don't think so um but yeah so the 30 something man next time we see him when it cuts back he is now a cute twink um the, while he's driving, these disembodied lady hands start to caress him and grab the wheel and steer him off the cliff in a pretty expensive car explosion effect that I appreciated. 
And well, one, I was very kind of taken aback. I was like, they got some budget here to explode this car. But I do appreciate the attention to detail of the disembodied lady hands that all of their press on nails are different colors, which lets you know they're different ladies. It's not just one lady with a lot of hands or maybe it is, but they've all got different uh, different press ons. Oh, it's no, it's one lady with a lot of hands and a funky personality. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway so it turns out that this uh th- this twink guy is actually an intrepid teen reporter intern who's been writing the obituaries for the local newspaper that his dad is the editor of i don't remember he's the i think he's the publisher which basically means he signs all the paychecks and uh is very hands-off with everything else that's happening look i love a hands-off money man so um he basically his teen friends show up at the office. They're trying to get him away, but he's like, no, I got to do this job. Um, they talk about Freddy Krueger for reasons I don't recall, but he pulls up Freddy's file on that ancient computer that is just text. It, just the glowing text that you see in like all the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, but there's no there's no Wayne Knight going, uh-uh-uh, which yep. I regret. <laughs> Um, but then we cut to Freddy in his liminal space. He's at the same kind of computer and he's all like, if the little cub reporter is so bored by this story, I'll give him something to really charge him up, which, you know, is a newspaper pun. Anyway, he claws the keyboard, which could also be where the electrical pun comes from, but not really. The the jokes in this episode, uh, they, they are not the strongest that have been given to Freddy. I will say that. Yeah. Well, on the scale of Freddy's nightmares in particular, they're about middling. <laughs> oh, that's um, sad. Yeah, it's it's bleak. It's bleak out here. <laughs> I'm so deep into this. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You're not alone. We are here for you. You have a support system. We will help you get through this. I'm so grateful. Um, but yeah, so the kid, he's he wants to be a reporter when he grows up. So he tries to get creative with the obituaries, like really putting people in the heads of these people right before they're about to die, which is something. That's a move. Well, I also didn't realize, and maybe this is just not how things work, since when do the newspaper write the obituaries for you do you just mail in a list of like here's who was in their life i thought families had to like submit their own obituaries or maybe that's just how we do it now i have no idea i I, you're totally right i didn't think about this but i i do think that um if some the, the person is like famous or whatnot that someone will write the obituary oh yeah but yeah just random businessmen who drive off a cliff no yeah this is not this this poor kid is really being uh, yanked around yeah he really is he like and also that's a very grim thing like hey welcome to the paper you get to write about all the dead people have fun yeah and he has a 2 a.m deadline which, which is, is yeah. really bananas yeah this is uh you look you are one of the the lucky people who has not had to watch every episode of the show so far <laughs> but like midnight like late night shifts are pretty common for these sad sad teenagers in springwood <laughs> and it's their their child labor laws are <laughs> burning in the furnace somewhere <laughs> they're burning alongside freddy he's making sure that they are all tired as hell with these deadlines oh yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically he keeps envisioning himself as each story that he writes. 
The next one is a doctor who died of heart failure. So he imagines himself like drinking and smoking a cigar like all at once. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then a sexy nurse seduces him and pulls out his heart and crushes it in her hands. And the, the pull out of the heart reminded me way too much of that scene in Dumb and Dumber where he imagines himself kung fu like pulling the heart out because it's still beating. It looks like she put her hand in just like a box that had like a human like <laughs> coat over it. I don't know how else to describe it. And her, like again the, the... with these press on nails that she's got too. <laughs> Maybe she played car lady. You know, that's a great. What if that's the through line? <gasps> You've solved it. Oh yeah. She, she's secretly in every death. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good point. It, it, it's the effect is more like one of those kind of like community center Halloween parties where you like blindfolded reach into the jar of grapes and like these are eyeballs. <laughs> it really is. And I'm sure this is something you've brought up um, in previous episodes. But why do a lot of these like cutaway scenes feel like they were shot on like a black box community theater at the local like community college? Like that's where it feels like where we are or like this is the back room of some sound stage and they're going to kick out all of the Freddy stuff at night. And then the next day, like we're going to shoot like story time hour. Yeah, no, it, it's, there's definitely a, a void like quality to a lot of the sets. Yes. It's very strange. Yeah. It, it's un look, there is a lot about the show that's uncanny, but not in a way that they specifically intended. Um, it just, everything feels slightly off. Yes, um, very much so. Yeah, including the next scene, um, he's walking and talking in a park with his girlfriend, Annie, and there's lots of fades. Um, I just feel like they didn't get enough coverage on this scene. It's very strange. Yeah, I think... I, I think either that or maybe they were editing around their acting because Annie has uh, some questionable line deliveries. Um... I don't know if there's one. It's like, if you want to be my guy or something like that oh. at some point. And the way I, I have she it written down. Oh, I'm so glad that you noticed this too. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's like, uh, I'll pick you up at seven 30. That is, if you still want to be my fella. That's it. Fella. That's the word she uses. But the way she, she like upwards it. And she's like, if you want to be my fella. And it's like, what, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Well, look, with lines like that, how no one has no one in the history of the universe has said that line before. <laughs> so yeah, she's breaking new ground. She really is. She's a trailblazer here. Good job, Annie. Yeah. But yeah, so basically he's obsessed. He's becoming more obsessed with the obituaries because he sees himself like he's kind of hallucinating what we see while he's writing. And he's like, I need to write them back into it and write me out of it. And then there's this, uh, the next death he's writing. Look, we know Springwood is a town full of death, but really they're just whacking them out like one a day. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're, and they're all like these over the top, larger than life deaths. And my the whole time I'm like, why isn't anyone investigating this? Yeah, why does nobody move out of Springwood? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a, like a, the next one's like a kidnapping thing where this uh, big business banker guy um, is being kidnapped by someone who looks like a, ever so slightly like like a funhouse mirror version of Bill Murray. <laughs> oh my god, that's such a perfect description, and it's absolutely correct. Like, it's, it's not even Brian Doyle Murray. It's just like just <laughs> it's off. Um, 
but the businessman has a dollar sign tattooed on his arm as you do and he um he the kidnapper cuts off the skin with the tattoo to like send to his son but i don't i don't know how he actually died because i don't think that would have done it but I don't think we see it. I don't think we see it either. I think it's just, we get this very strange slice of skin that like, and the tattoo also does not look the same when the skin part is removed. It looks way bigger all of a sudden. And they just kind of like dangle it. And then it's like, bah, ha, ha. Okay. Scene's over. I'm like, oh. Guess he died. Sure. I guess they didn't get their money if they killed him, right? You killed the person with the information. Like, rookie mistake. Yeah. Um, So, wow, what the hell did I... Oh, okay. Um, The next line in my notes just said, kid tries to escape with adorable little briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, he, he wakes up after writing that kidnapping story, he's really freaked out and he packs up his briefcase, which all teenage interns have. Of course. To leave. Um, but the police drag him back and his editor locks him in a cage saying that he stole office equipment, which is his creative mind, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Um, so they, they kind of demand that he write uh, a new story, which is about someone who committed suicide. Um, he envisions himself in this very abstract. This is another, this is a void space, like what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Very much so. Um, in this giant board game called ladder of success. Um, and there's this hooded Grim, Grim Reaper watching him play the game. It's it's like it's very Ingmar Bergman plus Cones of Dunshire. That's a, oh yes, it like it has this very strange like music video. Like it's a very MTV set and lighting design, but like um, an MTV game show. Yes, very, yeah, and right down to the font that's on like these playing spaces and box things that he's maneuvering around. It's very peculiar. And there's this very strange synthy kind of Samba music playing underneath <laughs> the scene. Um, so basically he's picking up cards that say like, you have loans, you're broke. And then he starts climbing up a ladder. So, you know, it's, it's mimicking the suicide, which, you know, dark, dark subjects, but it, you know, it's, 80s horror they weren't really prepared to talk about things like this in any no, sort of no, like they were not meaningful way <laughs> um there is a cool gag where he's halfway climbing up the ladder and the death figure moves out of frame and then appears suddenly like midair next to him that one is, yeah that's all i have to say about it is yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's neat um but then he wakes up annie is there she turns off his computer and she's like come on fella we gotta go on our date <laughs> Um, but also, like, girl, he is at work. Why are you touching his computer? Like, save files were not good at this point. Yeah, and she just turns it off. Ooh, ooh, I would have... I don't think I would have spoken to her again. Oh, I would have flipped out. I definitely dated somebody who, when they wanted my attention, used to close my laptop. And, like, oh, oh it is extreme rage. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know how many of you out there listening are writers, but, like, this is... It just imagine you wrote an essay and your girlfriend just, you know, control, all, delete, all gone. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Just the Ooh. worst. Um, but, yeah, I mean, perhaps, no. Um, but, yeah, so basically she goes downstairs via the elevator, but he hangs back. And then he goes to the stairwell and he falls down the stairs. And that, that's the end of him. I did like that the stairwell scene of, like, him looking down, though. It was very American Psycho. 
Oh yeah, it was. Except he's the chainsaw. He is the chainsaw. And also when he does fall to the bottom, um, he is in pretty good condition considering how many uh, floors he just fell. He should be in a lot worse shape than when Annie finds him. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, no, look, honestly, good for him. They're still going to have a good funeral. Um, Freddy's in his liminal space again. He's on like a deck chair with a margarita. And he just says, here today, gone tomorrow. And then he disappears. And I was like, they definitely just had to pull a random one out of the hat. Like, I don't know what this has to do with anything. And I feel, if I remember correctly, I think his margarita glass stays and then shatters like after he's already gone. Oh, yeah, it does. Which is a very interesting choice. But the whole time that episode, all I could think about is I wonder if somebody was watching this episode and then was like, you know what? I like this idea, but I don't want it to be super scary. So I'm going to go write the pilot for what would be- become early edition. Do you remember that show? I don't. Tell oh, me my gosh. Okay. So early edition was a like, I guess, a feel good show. I don't know how else to oh, describe okay. it. Um, but it starred Kyle Chandler. And he was a man who got the newspaper the day before everyone else. And like a mysterious Uh-oh. cat was always on the newspaper. And it's a real God friended me. Very much so. And it would like predict the events of the next day. So he had to like, it was his job to like, oh, there's going to be a fire down the street and kill orphans. I have to put out <laughs> the fire and make sure the newspaper doesn't come true. Oh, that that's that actually sounds interesting. <laughs> Maybe it's, I should have done that instead of this one. It, it It's very much in the same realm of like a seventh heaven <laughs> as far as tone is concerned. But yeah. I was very kind of taken aback. I was like, this episode is a lot like early edition, but like fucked up. <laughs> yeah, very much that. And they're, they're actually in the next half. There is a newspaper element that I thought would come into play more, but it doesn't. It's there like twice. Yeah. It. Well, they, you know, they tried. Um <laughs> So basically, it's this is like most of the episodes do follow a minor character from the first half of the episode, um, but this one is especially a random choice. Um, we cut to Emily, who we have not mentioned because she's one of the girlfriend in the last one. It's one of her friends who's in one scene. Yeah, she's in uh, that opening and then is gone for the rest of the episode. Yeah, but then it turns out that somehow off screen annie the girlfriend and their other friend star have died in a fiery car crash like an like excessively fiery car crash like ring of fire death car crash oh yeah like they crashed into something that was already on fire (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so she she wakes up and she goes downstairs to have breakfast with her parents and her mom does a little bit of world building that I want a whole episode on because she, she made pancakes, but she's like, they did an entire hour on pancakes on good morning Springwood. It's the two cups of Mayo that really does. it. I had this say, like I audibly like gagged because I think mayonnaise is disgusting. But then in my head I was like, but cooking, would it, ugh, I need to know more about these mayonnaise pancakes. I, I'm just yeah. perplexed. Also, two cups. How many pancakes did you make? I mean, this is also like TV series pancakes where in order to make sure the audience knows that they're eating pancakes, we need to have like stacks of pancakes. We can't just have two on the plate like a normal person. We (laughs) need to like leaning tower of Pisa these pancakes. Yeah, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like pancake 
d- ziggurats. Yes. <laughs> um, but I wanted, I really want to watch an episode of Good Morning Springwood. If they're going to spend an hour on just pancakes, like I need to know what the show is about. Because I'm a, a terrible person, I just like looked up like pancakes, mayonnaise. Apparently, most people use like tablespoons of mayonnaise. So cups is alarming. Well, yeah. No, like a single pancake is much less than a cup. Right. <laughs> so a, a good, like a whole stack of pancakes could just be completely made of mayonnaise. <laughs> These are just like, she just made mayonnaise cakes. That's what she's feeding her child who's currently <laughs> yeah. in mourning. Yeah. Great and they parenting. wonder, they wonder why she's having trouble. Um, yeah. They try to get her to take pills. She has a weird dream in a, another, another void. Um, but it, it's a museum void. There's just art and all her friends are dressed really fancy. And there's a punch bowl that looks like it's Satan's punch bowl, but it doesn't have, it's just set dressing. And all of the other people at this party are noticeably older than all of them by like a lot. Yeah. Oh, do you think this is supposed to be the party that they were driving to when they crashed? I think so. Like, I think that was supposed to be what we we're supposed to take away from it is because she's dealing with this guilt of like, oh, they died because it's and it's my fault because I didn't go or I didn't know or whatever. Yeah. But like, you see these people, I'm like, what party is this? Is this about to be like some eyes wide shut thing? Like, what's happening? I don't yeah. like it. Like, they did mention because I mean we're skipping ahead a tiny bit, but we learned that she was supposed to go to this party with them, but she didn't. Um, but they they brag about how the party has catering and security, which I'm like, oh yeah, all the cool teens love catering. <laughs> Um, so maybe they were going to like a cocktail gala art gallery opening or something. I, I don't, they're doing something that is probably very menial to anyone else. But for teenagers, this is the coolest shit ever. I, it's a mystery. Um, what is also a mystery. She, in this dream, she goes into this room that has a four poster bed with these flaming candles. And this like squeaky voice teenager with a ponytail is <laughs> dressed up like Satan, basically not, you know, not horns and everything, but like, you know, the kind of svelte, like what you'd imagine, like sexy Satan would be wearing. It's kind of like the Billy Zane in Demon Knight thing where it's like, he's just kind of alluring, but also evil. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but not as good as that. No, no one. Well, that's just drag, but oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, at this point, I fully feel like I have missed something because I'm like, we've gone from a car crash to this cocktail party to this demon ponytail kid I in a think, 12 seconds. I think, and I'm not sure if this part has happened yet. So if it hasn't, then like I'll fuck off into the sun. But there's a part where like Freddie says something about her diary, but I don't know if that part has happened yet. Um, oh, no, but- it's, a, it's the next scene after this. So, yes, that scene should have happened before this one for anything to make sense. And it still doesn't, but it would have helped. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, yeah, she wakes up from this dream. She's at a sleepover. Her friends are still alive. um, And they start talking about Johnny, who is the guy with the ponytail. But it's one of the hallmarks of this series is having characters that exist only in dreams, but that people talk about as if they're real and other people also treat them like they're real. So it's like, is this based on a person in her life or does she only dream about Johnny? I don't know. Part of Um, me thinks that this just might be like, I'm thinking of my dream guy. He has a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) I do think so. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, Freddie does show up under the covers with her diary. It starts burning, and he's like, "Real hot stuff in here." And then he does that thing of like of the thing that I've previously described as you know the the blooper reel of an Apatow movie, where it's just endless like riffs on the same concept because he just goes, "Dream lover, lady killer," and it's like you're just saying things, <laughs> right? And also the fact that he's like real hot stuff in here also leads me to believe that she's writing like smutty fan fiction like this is erotic friend fiction that's happening but the friend is an imaginary man yeah it's like and he uh <laughs> rubbed his ponytail against my cheek <laughs> exactly um, we needed to get dressed up for this fancy party and he he dabbed it in the blush and moved it across my cheek <laughs> softly <laughs> um uh. <laughs> gross sorry all i could think about though is like the ponytail was nice but then like he had like that like slick down gr- like gel on the top yeah. so you can only run your like your fingers through just the back part of his hair because the rest of it that shit is not moving yeah it's it's a very intense look um who does that rem- it reminds me of some probably a breck like some <laughs> like some hairstyle he would have in the 90s in a movie yeah yeah it's it's very very solid yeah um but yeah so she she they're talking about this party with all the catering and whatnot and she doesn't want to go because they're like well you just want to spend time with johnny and they feel abandoned so they storm off and then they disappear um and this scene repeats several times in different locations <laughs> um and then she walks in on her parents talking about her and she's trying to respond to them, but they can't hear her like she's a ghost. And her mom's like, she'd rather be dead with her friends than alive with her family. And, and her mom is going for it. it. Like, this is some peak melodrama staring off into the void <laughs> and, like, slowly stroking her husband's, like, comforting hand. Yeah, just, like, and just cheating to the camera fully. <laughs> just Oh, yeah. Her, her whole body is pointed out. <laughs> um, and then... I really, this is a pretty incoherent episode. So Johnny shows up again and is like, you couldn't get rid of me now if you tried. And I'm like, was she trying? And then, and then they're going somewhere. And he's like, I hate to be kept waiting. Wear something special. And I'm like, oh, he is the devil. Like if some, if, if a date says that to you, don't go to where they're going. Yeah, no, that's it. Anytime somebody says wear something special, either they're about to ambush you with a proposal in public and it's going to be terrible or they're going to suck your soul out of your body. But then again, those are both the same thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm bringing it back. Okay. So <laughs> she is getting dressed in this fancy outfit and her hair has like eight distinct parts to it so you know it's fancy it is very teen witch of her like that is a teen witch hairstyle if i've ever seen one yeah and and her dad comes in and he's like overcompensating with nice dadness and he's like you look neat cool funky and all i could think of is i was trying to figure out if half her head was shaved or if it was just pulled so tight to her scalp that i couldn't pulled so tight to that scalp (laughs) That is is like Jojo Siwa, like pull spray. (laughs) Like that's what's happening there. Just full migraine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she's picked up by Annie. Annie starts talking about how they're getting an apartment by the beach. And then she's like, it's great out there. No hopes, no dreams. 
it's so lonely waiting for your friends to die. And then Star is in the back, and she turns into a glowy-eyed demon, and Annie is a skeleton. And then they get into the car wreck that they avoided in the first place, and then there's the ring of fire. Um, demon Johnny shows up and ties her to a stone slab with, like, an IV sticking out. It there's And there's, like, blood is coming from places that I'm not entirely sure of where they're coming from. It just they're, they're there. Yeah, and then and then he does her like funeral makeup using a suntan beige number three. Unfortunately, he does not apply it with his ponytail. No, um, Ugh, sad day. And, and the coffin is being dragged into the the furnace of the crematorium, and then he's like reading from her diary that apparently she has written that she wished she had died with them, and then that's why she's dying now. It it happened. Yeah, there's a lot. He also, like, is straddling this coffin at one point, like, as it's moving. There's... That's some Mary Shelley kinky shit. Yeah, it's, uh, he's going for it. <laughs> yeah, but, because th- this is his, like, you know, end of a Scream movie moment where he does get to, like, really play up to the rafters, and it- it's it's something. Um, And then Freddy's there. He says, some books you just can't put down because they never end. And I'm like, that's that's not been my experience with books, but you do you, Freddie. <laughs> I mean, unless he's got the never-ending story. Which, I think that's... Yes, but also, I remember finishing that book, so... You know, I, yeah, okay, it is a real book, and it does end, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay, all in all, what are your final thoughts on this episode? Did you think it was a dream, a nightmare, or did it put you to sleep? So... This, to me, felt like it was a, uh, this is like a a dream, but it's the dream that you get when you've taken way too many hallucinogenics and then passed out. Like, that's the dream. Like, it's not so much a nightmare where it's like, oh, my life is now worse for having seen this. It's like, oh, that's weird as shit. I'm never going to forget this happened in my life. Would have maybe liked for it not to have happened. But (laughs) now I at least have something weird as hell to talk to people about. That's true. I appreciate that. Um, that at least you got something in any capacity out of it. Because, yeah, for me, this one's a nightmare. I just honestly don't know what I witnessed for the the whole 45 minutes. Just completely perplexing. And for me, it was, like, I like weird shit, but a lot of it is, like, you know, the kind of cheap kind of weird where it's not really accomplishing its goals super well. (laughs) I think it was, like, there's definitely weirdness in it, but it felt less weird and more, like, this is just... This is the the yes and of an episode where instead of keeping something on like a coherent through line, somebody was like, and what if this happened? Yes, and let's keep doing it. And like, then they just went off in that direction. So there's just a lot of things happening at once in both of these episodes where it's like, I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) This is off the rails. Someone kill the scene. Yeah, like, if ideas were pancakes, this would be one of those giant stacks that Emily's mom hands out. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Full of just mayonnaise. Because this is a, this is some <laughs> white people nonsense episodes, too. It truly is. Look, it is, you know, it's an 80s television show. The, the person of color quotient is alarmingly low. It is always a treat when we get someone. And actually, I, I, um, I, don't want to you know 
guess or assume anyone's race, but the the woman who plays Annie has played a lot of Japanese characters through the years, so I think mm-hmm. she must be at least in some way not entirely a white person, which is nice. Yeah, um, it is it is nice that it wasn't, you know, purely just just white people. And I mean, she she is the love interest in the first half of the episode, so, you know, she's not completely relegated to being like best friend number 3. So that's nice. Yeah. And then they, you know, put her in a car wreck for the next part. Yep, then they set her on fire. Perfect. But she does appear in both segments, and the boy does not. So that's neat. That is true. That is true. Um, but yeah, so um, before we... I'm going to give our listeners a clue as to what we're talking about next episode. But first, how can everyone find you and your new show out there on the internet? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, at BJ Colangelo. Um, that's where I'll post any of the articles that I write. I get published kind of all over the place, so I don't have a real like home to just be like, hey, go to this site. That's just not a thing. Um, and then as far as the show, you can find This Ends at Prom on Twitter and Instagram, at This Ends at Prom. And you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, and look, follow my Twitter, follow whatever I'm going to be sharing it. BJ's going to be sharing it. It's it's going to be a very exciting new show that you can't miss. Appointment podcasting. Yes. Schedule <laughs> that appointment. Yes. Um, yeah, look, also, what else are you doing? You shouldn't be going out, you know. Um, so, yes, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes. Take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send them a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Rate and review us wherever you can do that. <laughs> Um, and yeah, for the next episode, um, BJ will be rejoining us to talk about Black Tickets. A young Ooh. couple elopes in search of freedom, but finds themselves trapped in Springwood. Um, yeah, until then, see you later, everyone. <laughs> I really, Bye. I am not a master of the closing a podcast. That's fine. Yeah, thanks.